the grass is always greener on the other side. You guys ever heard that? Um, and, it, and it's one of those things, what it points to is um, what other people have always looks better than what we have, right? If you're, if you're married, it's real easy sometimes to look at other relationships and be like, I wish that my husband did that. I wish that my wife was like that. If you've got kids, you, you probably look at children. People do this all the time with Janelle and I, and I love my kids, but they'll be like, your kids are so great. I wish that I had your kids. No, you don't, man. They're crazy. Um, it's insane. Um, but we do that, right? Because the grass is greener. And so you take home six kids, and then, um, man, things get, things get wild. Things get wild, I'm just telling you, right? And so we, we look at things and be like, that would be great. You know, we look at the big house that somebody has that we don't have, and we want that not thinking about the enormous house payment that they have or, or whatever it may be. But the grass is always greener on the other side. And so when we, when we think about that, what we should be thinking about is if we want something better, we should learn to water our own grass just a little bit, right? Um, we should learn to invest in what we have, what God's given us and entrusted us with. But, but it's so hard. It's so hard because we covet, because um, we're, we're jealous, and you know, we're envious, and I'll be honest, I struggle with the same thing. Uh, I, I will get to a position, or I'll get to a place, and I'll look at what other people have. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm, I'm incredibly competitive, right? Um, I mean, I, I, I track numbers, and I track statistics, and, and even with this, what God's given me, I can't help but to compete. I mean, it's just in me. I compete with everything. My wife, my poor wife, she can't do anything. I have to win all the time, right? Um, and she has to lose all the time. That's the only way it can work. Um, otherwise, she's going to have to find somebody else, because I'm number one. No, no. <laughs> But I get it, right? I get it. We, we want the best. We want to be the best. We want nice cars. We want nice houses. We want great kids and great relationships. Um, but the problem is, is when we want what other people have. When we want other people's spouses. And some of you, I'm not just talking about you want that relationship. Some of you are still in other people's wives, and that's not okay. That's kind of joke. He can laugh a little bit. Um, but... Uh, we have to learn not to envy. And so tonight's message is titled this, Fighting the Good Fight, um, the Fight for Greener Grass. And what we want to talk about is envy. We want to talk about jealousy. We want to talk about being content and being thankful for the things that we have and learning, learning just to be, just to be. And so I know what you might be thinking. Um, this is Thanksgiving, Pastor Aaron, and uh, I don't go to church very often, but I go to church enough to know that you can only talk about thankfulness the week of Thanksgiving. And maybe you're right, and maybe we'll get to that in a little bit, but I want to hit you with the whole envy thing first, if I can. Um, and I want to start with James. James um, chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to have some of these up on the screen. If you're new with us, if you're not, there's a version Bible app. I hope that you download it. I hope that you have it. You can find our notes there as well. But James is in our New Testament. James was um, the half brother of Jesus. And so um, he was later one of the leaders in the church in, in Jerusalem. And he says this, starting in verse 13, he says, if you were wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life and doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And so um, wisdom, if you're wise, then, then you're humble, right? And we begin to lower ourselves. We talked about that a few weeks ago with pride. Um, but he says this in verse 14. He says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness 
are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are, un, are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And, and that's, a, that's a heavy type of title, right? Demonic. And again, if you're new to the church, new to the church scene, you're kind of be like, what kind of service did I show up for? Um, I'm not really into those things. Um, but it, what, it, what it means is, is it, it's not from God, right? It's something that, that damages our heart. The, the jealousy. And if you've fallen into those types of patterns before, you know it to be true, right? I, I know, um, I know how I can be. I, I love people, I do, and uh, I like to do for people, but the competitiveness inside of me um, can, can take hold sometimes, and I can, I can feel like I deserve what other people have, right? And I'll push past the, the years of labor and work that they put in to get there. And I'll think, but yeah, I've been working harder for six months than they did the last five years. That should be mine. I should have that position, right? And, and it, it gets inside of us and it robs us of the joy that God has for us in that season. It pulls us away from God. And James, again, he says such things. Well, what things? Well, the jealousy, the selfish ambition, the boasting, the lying, such things are unspiritual. They're earthly and demonic. And he says this in verse 16. He he says, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder. Say disorder. disorder. Disorder and evil of every kind. I know this to be true for me personally. Anytime I struggle in, in this jealousy um, and envy with the people around me, um, my, my life is disorderly. And what I mean by that is I can't focus on the things that are in front of me because I'm consumed by the people around me and what they have that I should have and what they're doing that I should be doing. And if the, whether it's position or, or property or whatever, it, it creates a disorder in my mind and I can't focus. I can't do what I need to do. And instead of me continuing to be elevated or continuing to grow towards the things of God or towards success, I take three steps backwards where I at least could have taken one step. And then, you know what happens? I'm farther from what I think I deserve. I'm farther from what I think I've earned. And then I get more angry at the people around me that didn't do anything to me to begin with, and I get more disorderly in my life. Things become more chaotic. And so again, it says, for wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You'll find slander, right? The, the coworker that, has, that got the promotion the backbiting, right? I know I'm not the only one that's ever done this. Go and talk about them behind their back. Well, yeah, that son of a, I'm not going to say it because this is church, but you know, they, 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 they got that, they're lazy, they're late, you know, and we just start to run our mouths. It's evil of every kind. It's evil of every kind. When we begin to covet somebody else's spouse, it only makes our spouse look more worthless. And they're not worthless at all, right? They're God's gift to us. But, but we, we stop seeing that because we only see what we think we should have or what we don't have. And it, it arouses this disorder and evil of, of every kind in our lives. And so there's this passage in, in Proverbs. It paints even a darker story. It's Proverbs 14.30. It says this, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. It spreads. It, it never stops at the one thing. When we allow envy and jealousy to grow in our hearts, it spreads to every corner of our lives, every relationship, every avenue that it is never isolated. And you know what cancer does? It kills, right? It steals. It robs us of life. It robs us of joy. When we've seen loved ones and family members and friends and people go through that, we see how devastating it is. Yet scripture likens jealousy to the same type of thing. It's cancerous. It's destructive. 
It doesn't give anything. It takes everything away. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy, though, is like cancer in the bones. And so tonight I want to do a couple things. Um, I want to look at envy. Um, And I want to look at how we transition from being jealous and envious and covetous of the things around us and how we transition to a thankful heart. Because it is the holidays, and I don't want to disappoint you. So we'll get to Thanksgiving in just a little bit. But um, as we open up tonight, I want to open up with one of the Gospels. And so if you're new with us, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're like I was about 10 years ago, sitting in one of these um, seats out here, you're like, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That's all right. You'll catch up. It's okay. But Mark is one of our Gospels, and the Gospels tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And so Mark, we believe, is written by Peter, somebody who journeyed with Jesus, and And he said this in chapter 7, verse 14, he's recording the words of Jesus. says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. He said this, all of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You're defiled by, by what comes from your heart. Now, all my drug addicts out here, you're like, well, now, actually, my doctor said that meth is bad for me, and my, my, my relationships and my bank account say the same thing, right? And, you know, all the alcoholics, kind of same thing, like, hey, listen, my wife said quit drinking, it's no good, uh, and I get that, I get that, but that, that's not the issue, that, that's a symptom of something else going on. Um, and so it's kind of like if uh, you had a bullet wound and you put a Band-Aid on it. That's what it is, you know, just treating the, the, um, the symptom of addiction. And that, Jesus is likening um, that analogy to the same thing. He's like, the things that go in aren't the problem. It's what in, what's inside. What's inside, and point number one is this, you get to realize that envy is a condition of the heart. That, that if your heart is wrong, it comes out in behaviors. It comes out in different actions. It comes out in different words and thought processes and things that are destructive, right? If the inside is corrupt, the things that you do on the outside will be disorderly, evil of every kind. In envy, envy comes from within. Again, we have to realize envy is a condition of our heart. And if you find yourself looking at the people around you and just wanting everything they have and being jealous. You know, and I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. You know who you are. If you find yourself in that situation, you have to realize that this is what's wrong. It's not them, it's you. You know, you've heard that before, right? It's not, it's not me, it's you. Envy is a condition of the heart. Envy is a condition of the heart. Envy is one of many inward vices or hard attitudes that defile a person. Jesus continued in Mark 7, verse 17. He says, then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. And he said this, he said, don't you understand either? He asked, can't you see that the food you put in your body cannot defile you? We're not talking about cholesterol here, people. And so food doesn't go into your heart. Some of it does but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it's what comes from within inside that defiles you. From within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these things come from within, they're what defile you. And the thing that Jesus was saying is that in his time, there was laws and they would say, if you break this law, it makes you unclean, right? That that's what, that's what breaks you. That's what keeps you from God. That's what defiles your life. And, and Jesus is saying, that's backwards. It's, it's a messed up heart 
that leads to a messed up life that leads to messed up actions. And we have to understand that. And if we're, we're doing something that's on this list, right? The, the evil desires of every kind, it, it's, it's a heart condition. It's a heart condition. And Jesus is the only one to fix that. I know for me, for the longest time, um, some of you in this room, you knew me 20 years ago. You knew me 15 years ago. And this was not the last place you would ever envision me. And, and the thing that was wrong with me wasn't that I was a drug addict, I was far from God. And because I was far from God, my heart was hard. And because my heart was hard, it was full of all sorts of wickedness. And my life was full of all sorts of disorder. And it wasn't until I allowed Jesus to enter that my heart was changed, that my life could be different. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not what goes in that defiles you. It's a condition of your heart. And we have to realize envy is a condition of the heart. Let's uh, turn over to Romans, Romans um, 8. We're gonna be in verse 28. Romans is in your New Testament as well. Romans was written by the apostle Paul. I've said this before, but I wanna say it again. If you're new to the faith, there's two things I want to encourage you to do. One is read the Gospel of John. It really tells about Jesus as God, right? The deity of Jesus. And then I want you to turn to Romans and I want you to look at it. It is considered by many, including myself, to be the greatest theological work. And if you wanna understand uh, the workings of God from beginning to end and how Jesus plays into all of this and what it means to you, read John, read Romans, come have a conversation with me or one of our other leaders. It, it'll, it'll help you so much. But Romans 8, verse 28, and he says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So he's saying, hey, listen, the bad stuff that happens, God didn't cause it, but God will use it for your good. Example, case in point, um, I just talked about it. I spent many, many years in addiction. God didn't cause me to be an addict, but God's dang sure gonna use it for his glory, right? For his good um, to do things like this, right? He's like, Aaron, do you wanna come to me? I'm gonna take all that brokenness. I'm gonna put it on display for everyone to see so they can know how great I am, how good I am and, and use this, right? That's what he does. That's what he's talking about. Again, he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and know him, right? And, and that's what he wants to do in your life. And he goes on in verse 29, he says, for God knew his people in advance. I just want to pause right there. <laughs> Early on, um, when I would show up here and, and I was, man, I thought all this was um, crap. Um, you know, it's just like, this is, this is phony, but, you know, they take good care of my kids, so I'm going to stay. Um, I thought, man, pff, I mean, if God really wouldn't want anything to do with me anyways, I mean, think about all the terrible things I've done. And that may be you. And I want you to know this. God knows. God knows, but he doesn't care. He loves you. I mean, he got, cares, but it doesn't keep you from him, right? He loves you anyways. He loves you anyways. And, and he says this, again, for God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son. He didn't choose those that were already like Jesus. He chose those who would follow him to become like Jesus. Those of us that, that's, that's what's on the table there. That's the option. That's what we get to do. And he says, for God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Having chose them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. I love that. Man, it's all that past stuff that I thought would keep me away from God. God says, no, you're righteous, man. I'm, I'm, we're not concerned about that, right? He called you to have right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. 
And so I want you to know this, man. Don't envy others' path, but trust that God's plan for you is good. Don't, don't look at other people's lives and think, man, I'm 30, I'm 35, I'm 40, and I'm not where I should be. I've made too many mistakes. I'm too far from God. I'm too broken. I'm just now starting my career. I'm just now getting off drugs. I'll never do this, never do that. I mean, who cares? It's your journey, your path. I mean, maybe you did mess it up for a while, but if you're coming into a relationship with God, remember, God's gonna use all of it for his glory, and the more messed up your life is or was, the greater God's glory will be revealed. Man, that's what I love about it. Don't, don't keep those things hidden. Don't, I mean, the, the enemy lied to me for so long and said people in the church can't know what you used to do. And, and now, man, I, I get a paycheck to tell people what a piece of crap I used to be and how great God is. I mean, how awesome is that, right? And, and so don't, don't, don't fall victim to that lie. And remember, remember, God's going to use it for his glory. And God shows you knowing it. God shows you knowing it. And we just have to trust again. Trust that God's plan for you is good. Don't look at where other people are at. Mind your own business. Stay in your own lane. I mean, seek Jesus. Seek growth. God's going to do things exceedingly better than you could ever think. Man, when I look back in just a short time, I mean, the last five years of my life have been insane, like in a good way. And I'm not saying it's been perfect. I mean, there's been times where I want to quit, throw in the towel. I'm like, God, why is my bank account negative again? All the things. I'm not saying that, you know, come to church, love Jesus. He's going to pay your electric bill for you. But I'm saying he's going to make your life better in different ways, ways that you could not imagine. And I, I say this all the time. I would not trade one day on this side for 10,000 days the way it used to be, right? And he's, you got to trust. Trust that God's plan for you is good. Right where you're at in all your brokenness, you may be thinking, I don't belong here. That's wrong. Man, God only called up messed up people, right? We just look. He didn't call those that were like Jesus. He called those that would follow him and become like Jesus. And all you gotta do is be willing. And God will change everything in your life and his plan for you is good. He says this in verse 31. He says, what shall we say about the wonderful things, um, about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? God's plan for you is good. And nobody, none of the naysayers from your past, the people that think you're too messed up, too far gone, can stand in the way of God's good plan for you. If God is for you, who can be against you, right? And I can't even, I can't overstate the amount of people from my past that thought as I started moving forward that there's no way. God can't do that. God can't use you. And you can't, you can't have, man, just the wife that I have, all of the things. But if God's for you, who can be against you? And we need to realize that God's plan for you is good. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God's going to lay it out for you. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and, and, and wise in and, and all the things, but I'm just going to say it's better, better. I've been in the trap house. It's better out here, right? I've been in the bottom of a bottle. It's better out here. I've been in the broken relationships. It's better having a marriage that's centered on God. I've tried to parent as the drunk drug addict. I like my kids better when I'm sober, actually, believe it or not. You, You may be like, really? Yeah, man. I just enjoy them just a little bit more. And I'm a little less violent with them. And they probably like that too. So we need to trust that God's plan for us is good. And so... 
Again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Trust that God's plan for you is good. And on top of that, wish others well. Pray for the person that has the house you don't have. Pray for people who have the car you don't get to drive, that have the money that you'll never make. Man, pray for them. It'll do more for your heart than you can ever imagine because guess what? God's been good to them. He'll be good to you too. In your own right, in his own way, you've got your own path to follow. Celebrate others. And you know what? When it's your turn, they're gonna celebrate you too. Trust that God's plan for you is good. Let's look at Philippians, Philippians chapter four, verse six. This is still in the New Testament. It's written by the apostle Paul still. So those of you who are new um, to this kind of thing, it's the same guy that wrote Romans. And, and you may not know this, but the Bible is actually written by many different, different authors over thousands of years and all of this. And, and in the New Testament, we had different disciples and apostles that wrote things we call epistles, letters. And so Philippians is one of those, right? It was written to the church in Philippi. And so Philippians 4, 6 says this, don't worry about anything. Paul's an idiot, right? That's what you're thinking. I get it. Um, like, um, like, there's no money in my account. Paul, like, does God know that? He's saying, don't worry. I don't know how I'm gonna pay my electric bill. I don't know how I'm gonna get gas in my car. I don't know how to feed my kids. Um, you're waiting on your check to hit just so you can buy Thanksgiving dinner this week. Or maybe it's gonna hit anyways and you still can't get Thanksgiving dinner. I get that. I get that. But God's word still says this. And God's word is true. Don't worry about anything. Instead, say instead. Instead, pray about everything. And I'm not saying that you always have to be down on your hands and knees in every moment, not getting a job or any of that, but stop being consumed by worry and jealousy and envy and begin to pray. Begin to pray. You'll be amazed at what God does. And you know what? Maybe, maybe you'll get through this week and you still will lack Thanksgiving. That's very likely. But things will happen inside your life, again, that are better. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And I love this last part. Thank him. Say thank him. Thank him for all that he's done. Thank him for all that he's done. And maybe you're in here and you're thinking, God's never done anything for me. That's not true. It's not true. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I look back before I knew God and I see his hand in my life. The fact that I'm alive, overdoses that I walked out of, I shouldn't have walked out of, man, uh, car accidents that should have killed me. That's God's providential hand on our lives, guiding and directing us when we were too stupid to see it and realize it and understand it. God's done great things for you. God, man, in, in your situation, there's an element of it that's your fault. Let's be honest here, right? You made bad choices and, or maybe you just had a bad lot in life. That, that, but that doesn't mean God doesn't have great things for you. And it doesn't mean that we can't thank him for what he's done because every single one of us in here have been recipients of his grace in some way. James 1, 16 through 17 says this, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us, from God, our Father, who created all the lights and heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Every good and pleasing thing is from the Lord. So at any point in your life that you experience something good and pleasing and worthwhile, guess what? Gift from God. Man, that's, that's his grace overflowing, and maybe you were just standing too close to a saved brother and you got some of his grace, but it was still God's grace, right? God's goodness. And so continuing in Philippians, Philippians 7, 4, 7 says this, then, so don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then, say then. Then, then you will experience God's peace. So that's, that's not a paid electric bill. No, but it's peace. When's the last time you had peace, right? When's the last time, man, you had peace in your heart, man, joy, 
When's the last time you experienced those things? You can't put a price tag on that. Take it from somebody who has six kids at home, right? God's peace is priceless, priceless. And so, again, don't worry, pray, tell God what you need, trust that he'll provide in some way, form, or fashion, thank him for all that he's done, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts, and I love that, because where does envy start? Our heart. What's, what's God's peace do when we pray and thank him for things? It guards it. Comes full circle. And we get on our hands and knees. We get in our word. We spend time with him. We recognize his goodness. Comes full circle. And the heart produces all sorts of wicked, evil behavior. Disrupts all sorts of things. And you want to counter it in your life? Want your life to change? Recognize Jesus for Jesus. Recognize God for God. Begin to lean in, pray to him, thank him. Man, and then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And that peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Point number three is this. Reflect on the blessings from God in your life. Thank him for it. It guards us. It guards our hearts. It guards our minds. And no matter what your situation is, there's something in your life that you can recognize God for, that you can thank him for his goodness over. There's something in all of our lives and it guards our hearts and our minds. I wanna do this before we close. I want, to share, um, I want to share the story of Thanksgiving with you. And you might be like, I heard it, man. Pilgrims, Indians, I made the little hand turkey. Like, you know, are we in kindergarten? No, I wanna, I wanna share with you the truth behind it. Can I do that? I love history. I hate how history is distorted in modern times and ages, and we don't get the real story. And so um, Americans traditionally recognize the first Thanksgiving as having taken place at Plymouth Colony in the autumn of 1621. The separatist Puritan settlers of Plymouth, known as pilgrims, held a feast after their first harvest as a way of thanking God for their blessings. So right there, we see that there was a recognition of thanking God for what they had. Well, what was there to be thankful for? They didn't die. That was it. That was, like, that was, that was the, that, so you think your situation's bad? They're just grateful they didn't freeze that winter. Um, but it goes on. Since the earliest settlements of, of the American colonies, there were days set aside for Thanksgiving, prayer and fasting in response to important events. These days of Thanksgiving would be held on different days throughout the year and would vary between colonies. But what were they for? Thanksgiving, prayer, and fasting, recognizing God. And they often centered around terrible events. In hardship, they would have a day of Thanksgiving to recognize the goodness of God. Not in times of prosperity, but in times of lack, when provision was limited. They would go to God and be reminded of how good he was and how faithful he was. On December 18th, 1777, during the Revolutionary War, the United States celebrated its first national Thanksgiving under the command of then General George Washington. It was a difficult time in our country. Many people lost their lives. And victory in the war was not, not for sure, yet they set aside time to go to God and thanksgiving and prayer. The first national Thanksgiving Day proclamation, um, the first national Thanksgiving Day proclamation after the formation of our country came on October 3rd, 1789. I wanna read you part of that. And it said this, um, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence 
of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully to establish and form a government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next to be devoted by the people of the United States to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be. General George Washington, October 3rd, 1789. That's what this Thursday's about. That's what this holiday and this season is about. it's, It's about going to God, especially in your time of lack, especially in your time of need, and recognizing that God was good then, God's gonna be good today, God's gonna be good next week, and going to him in prayer, seeking his presence. So I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to start with that right now. If you would, if you'd bow your heads, close your eyes, and again, I don't know your situation, I don't know your story, but I know that God's good. And I know that each and every one of us have something to be grateful for. And so I want you to take a moment and just thank God, whatever it may be. Recognize something in your life and say, God, I thank you. Father, I thank you for my kids. Father, I thank you for my wife. God, I thank you for my job. Whatever it is, Father, we thank you. Just spend a moment with him. Psalms 100, verse four through five says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. So Father, we just pray. Father, right now we enter your gates with thanksgiving, with praise. We come to you, God humbled, Eyes, ears, hearts opened, hands raised, Father, recognizing how good you are. Lord, I pray over everyone in this room, I pray that you would move in their lives, your hand would be upon them, God, that that you would help them to see how good you've been and help them to understand how good you'll be no matter what's going on in their lives. And we thank you, God, we thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you will do. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so what's the application? We're not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Our action steps tonight are this. Number one, thank God for the blessings in the lives of the people around you. That's hard. It's hard to look at somebody who has something you don't have and to thank God for that, what you don't have. Number two, pray for them and ask God to move even more in their lives. Man, thank God. God, I'm grateful my neighbor can pay their electric bill. And I may be struggling, but God, I pray that you'll give them more. Just something in our hearts. 
does something in our hearts. Number three, put your focus on God's love for you and trust that he's got a plan for your life. He's got something great for each of us. And number four, praise and worship him for where you're at and count your blessings. Man, what a blessing that you're alive today. And maybe that's all you've got, but it's something. It's a start. And God, man, he'll do exceedingly more from there. And so thank you for what you got. Everything that, that we talked about tonight, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. Um, that's where it began for me many years ago. Um, and it's what's brought me here today. And, and not everything's perfect, but it's better. And so if you want better, right? If you want to experience that peace, that joy, the love, <laughs> a heart that's free from the wickedness of this world, I would encourage you to make the greatest decision you can ever make. And that's to allow Jesus to become Lord of your life. And, and that's where we recognize we can't save ourselves, that we need him. That, that he died in, as a sacrifice to save us and we make him Lord of all. So if that's you, here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down here at the front. And I wanna encourage you to act out of faith, to come out of your seat when we close service and when they're standing down here and ask them to pray for you. Just tell them, I wanna accept Jesus. I wanna accept Jesus. And they'll lead you in a prayer and they'll pray for you. Number two, maybe you've been in here and maybe you've just been far from God and you wanna recommit. You wanna come back home. And if that's you, our same offer stands here in just a moment. We're gonna have some people down here. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can recommit your life tonight. And then maybe you just need a, a white chip and you're like, what is that? I've never heard that before. Well, that's just where we recognize that there's something in our lives that keep us from God and there's nothing special about it. It's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we act out of faith and we come out knowing that God's gonna move. And so if there's something that God's been dinging you saying that right there, I need you to set that down. We wanna encourage you to come pick up one of these chips. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. We would love to pray with you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer, we wanna encourage you to come step out of your seat and join us at the front. For everybody else, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.